everyone. I'm attorney Donna DiMaggio Berger, and this is Take It to the Board, where we speak condo and HOA. Michael Hamlin is the editor of the Florida Community Association Journal. FLCAJ is a monthly publication that has earned the reputation of being an authoritative voice in the community association industry. The articles Michael includes in the magazine cover a wide range of topics important to people living in communities, serving on community association boards, and the vendors and professional advisors serving those communities. I have been an avid reader of and contributor to the Florida Community Association Journal over the years, so I am very excited to get a behind-the-scenes peek at how a magazine like this is run. So, Michael, welcome to Take It to the Board. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You're the first and you might wind up being the only publisher that we're ever going to talk to on this podcast. Well, I would be honored if that's the case. (laughs) So whenever I walk into management company offices, Michael, I always see your publication open on their desks. That has to be a nice feeling to know that so many of Florida's managers and board members rely on the information you publish. But today's version of the journal is quite different from its beginning. It started in 1987 as the Manager's Report and was published in Palm Beach County. Can you tell us a little bit about that initial version of the publication and also how you got into the publishing industry? Ivor Thomas was a manager in Palm Beach County. He and his wife, uh, Marsha, were the ones who started it. And I actually went back kind of in an anniversary issue after the magazine had been in print 20 years. So that was 2007. We had interviewed Ivor and he talked about that he just had a desire to pass on information to managers that they could learn from one another. He tried to get somebody else to publish a magazine for a while or a newsletter where managers could help managers. Didn't end up happening. And so he finally jumped in. So the first edition was printed in 1987, January. Uh, It was eight pages. Eight pages. Eight pages, a newsletter. And did that include advertising, Michael? It It did include advertising. Fairly smaller ad sizes. So they, they did everything. They literally interviewed people for the articles, the managers to find out how they handled the different situations, different jobs, what they could learn from them. They stamped it, printed it themselves, laid it out. They, they put all of it together and would mail it out each month. And so, that, so that was a monthly publication? It was monthly, even starting from the beginning. So I think I, by the end of the first year, it had grown from eight pages to 12 pages. And the last, the last issue of the Florida Community Association Journal I looked at has 100 pages. Right. Yeah. I, I would say at this point, we're on average 104 pages each month. So by the time it was published in 2001 by a publisher in Little Rock, it had already expanded to a 64-page full magazine. So when was the name changed to the Florida Community Association Journal, Michael? The name was changed in January of 2004. Like I said, it had started out with Ivor really wanting to have managers educate other managers. But along the way, boards of directors were very interested in learning about running their community associations. And so there was a lot of helpful information in the newsletter and then the magazine. Since it was called Manager's Report, we didn't believe it reflected the nature of our readership of the magazine. And so that's why in 2004, it changed to Florida Community Association Journal. Did you have any competition in terms of other publications in Florida when when you first started here? You know, when we first started, I know, and I believe it's still, I know it's still around, uh, Common Grounds with CAI. The, the difference is, is, of course, we're Florida-specific, whereas I know CAI, of course, is nationwide. 
they do have local chapters that reach throughout parts of the state there in Florida. So that's primarily been who we've had. But in terms of a glossy magazine, so you you published the Florida Community Association Journal in both print and digital versions. I don't know of another glossy magazine other than Common Ground, which is an excellent publication in Florida right now that's Florida specific. Right. I am not I'm not aware of any either. So you do both. You do the you do the print magazine, which I have to tell you, as a purist, I love getting this. I'm holding up an issue of the journal. I still love reading with material in my hands. But I also appreciate the digital as well. But how many people does it take on your staff to publish this magazine? It takes a uh, it takes eleven people. Just thinking about the team that helps me. I'm visible in terms of having the editor's page, but we have everybody from. Tim Ware, who helps with our computer and IT systems, to our content managers, Natalie and Jeff, who um, are working directly with the service providers, helping them understand the full range of items they can take advantage that includes editorial in addition to, to advertising. Then I have Chris. He lays the ads out, builds the different graphics. Kindle, she flows the whole text and the pictures and it's all that looking nice because I certainly can't do that. And then I have a couple of editors that work with me, co-editors, Kathy and Jerry. They keep me in line, make sure they're asking good questions about the content and checking the grammar and the spelling. And then, of course, the publishers, Richard and Dana. I mean, I picture you like the Anna Wintour of Vogue, but for community association publishing. Is this how it goes down or am I? <laughs> yes, they they do pass it by me. I trust Chris and Kendall when it comes to the graphics. Chris always lets me look at the cover. I provide, of course, teasers there on the front, but they're such a great team that I trust them. They help me make it look so much better than I would. I think, I mean, you got to have something catchy on the title. You know, yours always catch my eyes. They're always really, really well done. With more than 60,000 shared ownership communities in Florida, I imagine, Michael, you have no shortage of vendors and professionals wanting to contribute articles to your magazine. Some of your recent articles include installing electric vehicle charging stations in condominiums, security cameras, and invasion of privacy, and caring for the financial well-being of the association. So as the editor, how do you decide which articles and authors are going to make the cut? Probably one of the first criteria is looking for good educational content that's going to help the CAMs and the boards of directors. How does a process work? How's this going to save time? How's it going to save money? How's it going to save me a headache on down the road? How is it going to protect our investment, you know, in what in whatever area that is, whether it's dealing with asphalt preservation or structural integrity, structural preservation, swimming pools. Of course, there's technology and finances. We're looking for what's the process whereby we can improve our community. So that's one of the, the first criteria. I, I would say on the second, just a variety of content where we can have, for example, this upcoming one's going to be all about HOAs. I imagine there's some seasonality. So with our six-month storm season in Florida, you're probably going to dedicate issues towards storm prep and storm recovery around that time. Because we are seasonal here in Florida in many spots throughout the state, maybe election and budgeting towards the winter months. Right. So we have storm prep we did in June um, to prepare for the upcoming season. Our August is dedicated to budgeting. I know a lot of times in October we'll do some Editorial focused on welcoming back the snowbirds, which I realize has been a little topsy-turvy the last couple of years. 
still know that some people are, are getting to come back. We do definitely keep it seasonal and try usually try and have a, a main theme and then a subtopic that's covered in each issue, but we don't limit ourselves to that. So be honest. Do you ever turn anyone down and say, just get an article and it's awful? Not well written, the topic's off base. We well, don't have to name names, but do you ever turn anyone down? Yes, I have had to turn some folks down. Usually it's because it's all about the company. So it's more salesy. That I meant to ask right. you that question. You're looking for educational content, not educational. sales pitches. Correct. Yes, we definitely want educational content. Because there's advertising opportunities in the magazine. If, if you want to advertise your company, whether it's a roofer or a law firm or accounting firm, engineering, they can take out ad space. Absolutely. So they can take out ad space. We've got opportunities online where they can promote themselves more. Uh, we have opened it up to do for some new faces that come in to allow them to be a little more upfront initially. And so there's there's ways for them to let others know about their company and what they have to offer. How do you feel about the, the, the clickbait online when you see, you know, 10 ways to 10 foods you should never eat? We generally try and stay away from that. And I'm probably fortunate in that in the magazine itself, I have a lot of say so obviously of what goes in there. But on our online digital platforms, we've got some opportunity for Chris to work and put some content together in some newsletters. Well, tell me about the difference. So is the digital just the print version online or is it a different focus? It is pretty much the same in terms of the magazine is put online. But we do have some other opportunities through a couple of newsletters that we allow for different articles to be run in those, as well as banner ads for people to put out what they have with their companies and services. That's more the brainchild of, of Chris and Richard. They're much more oriented that way. I, sometimes I think I was born in the wrong century with all the digital stuff. You're like me. You're a kindred spirit. I probably have you to thank for the uh, the print publication still but still existing. I think we're going to continue to to see that. Like you pointed out, I mean, we're still oh, seeing God. great response in terms of it continuing to increase in, in size. So I've written a I've written a blog, Michael, for years. As a matter of fact, once upon a time, years and years ago, um, when blogs were new. Your predecessor printed my blog in the Florida Community Association Journal. And the reason I bring it up is because after having written a blog for so long, I kept thinking, I've gone over every topic. I mean, we, we talk about budgeting and reserves and election season and, you know, political free speech. And that's when I started worrying that I was not going to have new topics, they always magically appeared. So always something new. Um, drones. Who who would have known? You know, 15 years ago, you'd be writing about drone usage in your community, and then the pandemic issues, and you name it. I, I imagine it's the same for you. That you know, you cover topics in the journal over and over again, right. but with a different twist as things evolve. Whether it's the laws that are evolving, whether it's the industry trends that are evolving, are there any topics? that you haven't yet addressed, that you're dying to address in the journal, or topics you want to readdress? So we we do have sometimes changes that come up that surprise us. The coronavirus pandemic would obviously be one, and even with that ongoing, what what does that look like? How do communities run? And, if, and we've had several articles now of that, but I, I think in terms of readdressing topics, um, one that I thought about was just having to do with insurance all the different DNO director and officers, general liability, errors and omissions, 
collections because of some recent changes is something that that I think would be good to see in the magazine. And then, of course, um, structural structural preservation and integrity of, of the buildings is something I think will be an ongoing. Yeah, those are all topics that I can see in the in the coming weeks and 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 months and years. We're going to see a lot of legislative changes, and I'm sure the journal is going to be coming out with some some very helpful articles on those topics. You know, people have been saying for years that the digital format is going to completely replace print publication. But please tell me that the journal you don't have any immediate plans to go that route. Absolutely not. No, you'll keep receiving a monthly print publication for. A long time to come as far as... Great news. (laughs) The Florida Community Association Journal is now billed as the official publication of FCAP. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your FCAP program? Florida Community Association Professionals started in 2011. The reason for it was we had started hearing from different professionals in the industry that they would appreciate more in-depth training in addition to just the 20-hour continuing education requirements. Um, and so it, it started initially as live events. Betsy Barbu with Florida Camp Schools and Patricia Rogers at Gold Coast Schools were taking students through, uh, it was like a 40, 40-hour course, I want to say, over two weekends. But as you can imagine, that was a lot of time for busy managers especially to commit to. So in 2015, that was all moved online where people could go on kind of as they had free time and were able to take the courses individually. So that content moved over online. But I know that now one of the plans that is coming up with FCAP is perhaps to even produce some video content where those courses are being kind of taught with an instructor in a video format, one-hour sessions, I believe. So it's really about the managers who take the course receive a certification. They can. That's that's something additional. The CFCAM, the Certified Florida Community Association Manager designation, that's some additional, I believe we've got 38 courses that they can work through. And at the end of that, they take an exam. And as they pass that exam, then they're, they receive the CFCAM designation. So as a community association attorney, for instance... We have a program through the Florida Bar. Same thing, if you take a test or you've practiced long enough, you can become what's called board certified, a board certified specialist. Is that the reason that managers would want to take this training to kind of distinguish themselves from the competition when they're going out for jobs, you know, seeking a position with a community perhaps? It's a designation that shows I'm, I'm serious about my career, about my profession, and I've taken the time to go even deeper, learn more about the industry so that I can better manage the property and and help the board of directors to take care of the property. It's absolutely something that I would see managers wanting to pursue to to improve their own knowledge and just in terms of bettering themselves. Florida is one of the states that still has a licensing requirement for both individual managers and management companies. Other states around the country do not have a similar licensure requirement, but let's talk about Florida's requirements. Somebody wants to be a manager in Florida. um, What do they need to do to become a licensed CAM? Under the Department of Business and Professional Regulation, there's courses that they have to take. I believe it's 16 hours education within 12 months. And then after that, they take state exam to pass that. I I believe in addition, I know there's a background check 
the only other requirement I'm aware of, you, you do have to be at least 18 years of age. That's not a high barrier to entry. And on the one hand, that's a good thing. But on the other hand, you've got managers who are handling six-figure budgets. They are making decisions regarding vetting contractors and vendors. In some cases, they're making important decisions regarding maintenance projects and prioritizing those projects and overseeing those projects. So I think anything that increases the education for management professionals and perhaps the certification as well is something that would, I would imagine differentiates the managers who go out of their way to, to prove that they've gone above and beyond. That is the reason for the journal to help educate. Well, CAI has a certification as well, Michael. It's, it's PCAM, I think, is there. Do they have anything other than PCAM? PCAM, I want to say that's the highest designation. I do think they have at least one other Since managers are a large part of your target audience, and I know you've expanded since the days of Managers Report, when it was really focused on managers teaching managers, today's Florida Community Association Journal journal has appeal for managers, board members, attorneys, accountants, roofers, all the other professional advisors and vendors who work in this space. But I know a big part of your audience is still comprised of managers. Do you know how many managers there are in the state of Florida, approximately? There's approximately 18,500 plus managers. 18,500. Licensed licensed managers. That's got to be good for the Florida Community Association Journal, Mike. It is. It <laughs> is. So we like to see it continue to grow. <laughs> so I have to ask you, you live, you, you're speaking to me from Little Rock, Arkansas, correct? That's correct. Now, have you ever lived in a condominium or homeowners association? I actually currently live in an HOA. Are you on the board? I'm not. Have you ever been on the board? I have not. I've lived there for four years. Does the board know you're an editor of a community association? No, I don't. I don't believe they do. They might find out after this and they might just conscript you to the board. They might. Okay, so you, you you live in an HOA, which is wonderful. And I've said this in, in past episodes. I've dedicated my life to being a community association attorney, but I also served on my HOA board just for two years. And I do say it was the two longest years of my life, but it's really good to do that and sit on in that in that seat, dealing with your, your fellow directors and of course, dealing with your neighbors on, on important things. Do you go to the board meetings, Michael? So I'm going to embarrass myself and say, no, I haven't been <laughs> to the board meetings. <laughs> Okay, well, after this, you may look, most of the board meetings now are virtual. That's uh, true. As a result of the pandemic. And, and I, I will tell you, a lot of my clients have found the virtual format to have greatly increased participation, particularly down in South Florida, where we've got a lot of out of state and international owners. So I think that format is going to be used on a going forward basis. And I think the Florida legislature is going to uh, recognize the fact that the virtual platform really increases membership participation. So we'll probably see that as part of the um, community association legislative package next year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that if there was some recognition of the benefits associated with the virtual meetings. Yeah, I, I see that as being part of things. All right. So we'll, we'll check back with you in the future as to whether or not you've A, started attending board meetings or B, decided that you're going to go for it and potentially be on the board. So what changes do you have in store for the future of the journal? One that we're planning on this year is allowing the companies, the service providers to highlight either their products or their services. We're going to do a showcase. It's something, I mean, I do think we're going to start seeing 
people get back face to face, but it is a way of them being able to show off. Here's what we have to offer to communities um, in light of just some of the changes where the face to face hasn't been happening as much. Another another aspect we're looking forward to is called it's FCAP Stories, and it gets a little bit back to the whole mission Ivor Thomas had, which was managers sharing information with managers. Probably will start as a video series, so we'll put it online. Obviously, it wouldn't be in the magazine, but we're talking about maybe taking those experiences and putting them in some format where we could publish it also in the journal. I'm so glad you mentioned video because I was going to actually ask you about that. You know, people learn in different ways. You know, some people are more visual. Others like to read. Like I I like the the print version. Some people hate the print version. They only want the digital version. So videos seem to be one way that maybe uh, for people who don't want to read lengthy articles, perhaps watch a three-minute video by the author just summarizing the contents of the article. Yeah, absolutely. I think as you said, people like to learn in different ways. And so we're wanting to start opening up those different avenues. All right. Sign me up. Let me know when I can do a video. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It was just a delight to have you on. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a review so more people can take it to the board and visit takeittotheboard.com for more information.